Welcome back, witches and other cottage folk. You've just entered the riverways and back trails of the northern Ozarks. Our cottage clings to the highest ridge of a stormy hillside, not far from an ancient asteroid strike and a sweet and simple country store. Look around. You'll find waddling woodchucks and leaping white-tailed deer alongside griffins and puffins, a flying heron, the three fates, 13 farmers, and a lot of recent graduates at play. Come on inside and enjoy a visit with me, Hester Makepeace, the Cottage Witch. Today is Tuesday, June 1st, 2021, my oldest daughter Caroline's birthday, and tomorrow, Wednesday, the 2nd of June, begins the third quarter of this moon cycle, which will look like a half moon in the southwest corner of the morning sky. We are moving into self-care time, so don't forget to pamper yourself in the coming days as we lead up to next week's new moon. This week's episode, a continuation from last week, is once again focused on finding or discovering spirits of place. If you haven't listened to that one yet, you may want to start there first. Last week, we discussed geological development, ancient history, and the runes, arguably an older form of divination than this week's focus, tarot and oracle decks. You're about to hear me weave together commonly agreed-upon meanings of tarot cards, along with my own interpretations of the symbols, the history of my little family, and my own meandering ideas and intuition. Most of this from two years ago, when I first worked on this weeks-long undertaking. But some additional thoughts and ideas from now, too. This is the way I would encourage you to also use divinatory tools to discover your own spirits of place. Let the land speak to you and use your own thoughtful choice of tools to help you listen and understand its language. And write down what you discover, too, in whichever of your grimoires or books of shadows seem most appropriate. If you're like me, there are several to choose from. So, back I go to my Green Witch Book of Shadows, which also covers hedge witchery, kitchen magic, and, of course, the life of a cottage witch. Back to my original Spirits of Place working from July of 2019. I now update this ritual every season or so, and at the end of today's episode, I'll talk about my upcoming midsummer pendulum work that I have planned for later in the month. However, please know that any sort of divination can be woven into a spirits of place working. Our rule number one is officially, and it harm none, you do you. If a black mirror or a green crystal ball speaks more loudly to you than a tarot deck does, or a dark cauldron or a pie plate full of spring water beneath the full moon zings up your spine, I'm certain that personal choice will work better for you than any pendulum or oracle deck with which you have little connection. Which divinatory tool sings to you? Because that's the one you want to use to discover your own spirits of place. For me, that pre-COVID July day, I first tried the Tarot Illuminati deck that I had purchased that year, which is gilded and particularly beautiful in my eyes, and I began my morning dog walk around the perimeter of my land as usual, pulling five cards as the spirits moved me, following the reading that I had been using fairly successfully then and often used to this day as I wandered my land. It's my friend Leocadia's spread, and she's a tarot master. Unfortunately, it did not really speak to me that day, much as I tried. I recorded the results, but was definitely unsatisfied. 
So the next day, I just tried again, but switched to my favorite old standby Smith weight deck with much clearer, more satisfying result. But you'll hear me refer to the earlier draws too, as some cards occur on both days. I like a card that refuses to be denied, as well as those that just jump right out of the deck. I figure they're desperately trying to get my attention, so I give it to them. Anyway, here goes. Leo Cadia's five-card spread used to help find my spirits of place the following morning, the time of day that best speaks to me. I think this morning went so much better, I wrote in my book of shadows two years ago, as I called on each quarter, but particularly north and the land itself, and also the spirits of place that would like to be acknowledged and known, asking them to speak to me. And I think they did. At the time, it just felt right to me to pull my first three cards at north, then east, and then south as I walked. The ones that would normally be set up one right after each other in a row of three if I were seated at a table. They were, in order, the tower, the ten of coins, or discs, or pentacles, and the wheel of fortune, or just fortune. The fourth card I pulled from beneath the deck. It's the foundation, or the area that is so below, and the one I placed sideways underneath the first two cards. This day, the sun. The fifth and final card would normally be placed above the third card of the central spread at the top and end of the small configuration. And when I pulled it then, it was judgment. I contemplated the meanings as I looked over the land and listened to the singing birds and the buzzing summer insects. Then I headed inside. When I got into my lair, that's my name for my witchy ritual and writing room, I wrote down these words. So many major arcana cards seem to corroborate the runes to me. This is indeed a sacred place, a place of power and significance. Only one minor card made an appearance, albeit in the very middle of this, the Ten of Coins or Pentacles. So even that one is truly important too. Let's begin at the beginning. Card number one, the Tower. I'm still writing in my Book of Shadows. This card leaped from the deck and threw itself to the ground, claiming the north, the earth, this land for its own. Its simplistic meaning, the house of God, fate or destiny, and also intuition. This is me talking now. You know, it's like I said, these are ideas that also turned up in the prior week's rune reading, but this can also signify both destruction and enlightenment. The house of God, fate, lightning, and is not Odin the god from our rune spread also the god of lightning? In my mind still, it's certainly a significant convergence. Okay, I remain convinced to this day. This is the chieftain's hilltop. Uh, at least it was at some point in time. In my book of shadows, I wrote that perhaps this place was struck by lightning, real or metaphorically, or attacked by others and burned, or maybe abandoned for a different lightning bolt of a reason. It wouldn't be unreasonable to assume that the arrival of European settlers or other such chaos sadly ended the Osage chieftain's line of rule. I'm thinking it's possible to the abrupt and forceful changes brought by those early European settlers. Perhaps this is the place of great war and conflict and surrender. So here's the thing. We had a battle against cancer and our eventual painful and horrifying surrender of our oldest daughter's life. Caroline once danced and sang and swam beneath the stars here on this piece of land. And now she dances through the stars and clouds, the sunshine and moon glow above it. She's definitely a spirit of place here, and we had to surrender her before our first year was out. It resonates. 
So, card number two, the Ten of Coins or Pentacles. Family and maturity. Three generations represented here are personal kingdom, inheritance, and legacy. An older family member with wisdom. <laughs> yeah, I got some wisdom. And resources to share. The happy, prosperous couple stand at the entrance to a prosperous home. And there's the tower in the background, the first card we pulled. Perhaps we're simply a reflection or an iteration of that older homestead of this place. The old king of pentacles. We'll call him Button, but it could be the centuries ago elder chieftain too, who looks on, passing his dynasty, his land, onto the new young happy couple. Button and I are not young, but perhaps again metaphorically, we are renewing this land legacy from the indigenous people, as well as the settlers in the late 1800s and early 1900s. But to me, it's also quite obviously our plan of passing land on to our grown children too, with some hope that they may raise their own children here one day. Perhaps on a larger, longer scale, we're simply the archetypal storyteller and the teacher, Button and I, hoping to join our neighbor's land to ours one day, <laughs> in the dynasty fashion that this card evokes. The union of families who like each other, share cultural ties, a wedding, a strong and committed relationship, well... We've been married for nearly 34 years. It's a pretty solid start anyway. The Ten of Coins is the only minor arcana card in my spread, and it's at the very center. This is the 13th house or apartment I've lived in during my life, and it's the last one. Trust me, I am 60 years old and I am home. Button is my one and only husband. We're just fated to be here, and we're happy here, and financially stable for the first time in our lives too. The Ten of Coins. Card number three, the Wheel of Fortune, Fate, Destiny, or Intuition. From my book of shadows two years ago, Fate again, yesterday and today in card one. So, okay, here and now in 2021, I have a fate story, a happy fate story that demands to be told. Button's father passed away just a few years ago and Button inherited his father's journals. Button's dad was a dedicated rockhound. Reading one, he discovered that as a kid, his father had taken him on a long-since-forgotten autumn adventure one Saturday morning from their St. Louis home into the Ozarks to look for some good geodes and Ozarkite. Anyway, they stopped and ate a picnic lunch on the little truck's tailgate in the gravel parking lot of a small school building, now defunct, but then empty only for the weekend. Just a couple years ago, Button had been reading his dad's old journal in our bedroom, and he came out to me where I was sitting and reading in the living room. He pointed the passage out. I scanned it quickly, and our eyes met above the page. That schoolhouse was 90 miles from his home then as a child, but only about one or 200 yards as the crow flies, and 50 years later, from Makepeace Cottage where we live today. I can easily see it on my walks through the backfield. As a young boy, Button and his dad had basically visited the lands where he would live, work, and retire decades later, and he had no familial ties to this area. Those come from my family. This journal entry of his father's and their visit has resonated as fate with me. And here was the card in my spread, too. I am convinced that this land has been fated for our little family for longer than we will ever know or understand. These are just some of the many reasons I believe this. And by the way, it's a weird coincidence, isn't it? 
And you know that word weird? It's one of the oldest in our language. So when you see a friend that you were just talking about that you haven't seen for 20 years and you're like, that was so weird, you really mean that was so fate. I'm telling you, it was weird that as a kid, he sat on that tailgate and ate lunch with his dad. Weird. Fate. Here again in card three, I write, the wheel signifies destiny at work and also a change where Jupiter and luck begin to rule. Well, that'll be a nice change. It means a turn for the better, a positive outlook for career and money. Yay. And now, two years later, I believe it means my last year of teaching and the happy, productive, and still financially comfortable retirement we are working so dutifully toward right now. That's corroborated by the sun card, which is in the foundation or so below position. That one signifies sanctuary, success, growth, and happiness. These lands have sometimes been a struggle, don't get me wrong, but they've also been a blessing and a sanctuary. This card also signifies renewed vitality after the dark night of the soul. Well, yes, that's us. That's really us. Have we been happy here, do you think? I ask Button as I sit riding on the front porch today. On the whole, yes, he says. I agree. This is a strong card at our very foundation, and this is perhaps the first time in my life I would agree with it on the whole. Back then I wrote, this land is a positive focal point for our family. From here we will attain a fortuitous foundation. I write like that sometimes. The sunflowers on this card equal growth, beauty, and strength. Like Clyde, the nymph who turns into a sunflower from mourning the loss of Helios, who is Apollo, the sun god, and always turns to face him. I live in a sort of garden which offers security and protection. I turn to face my Caroline in the rising sun every morning, and she continues to be as much a daily blessing as my younger daughters are. Hmm. Card number five, judgment. Assessment, absolutely. Letting go of the past? Not so much, really. However, it may be beginning. Uh, in my journal, I write, Waking to a new relationship with the goddess and our spirit guides. Perhaps walking with these spirits of the ridge of Make Peace Cottage and its lands. We have reached a sanctuary, like the sun card says, and I believe we are called to tend these spirits of place, these land-based spirit guides, the chieftains and the pioneers, and to someday walk with them ourselves. I also write, it is time to come to a decision about the past. You will feel you acted with integrity and did the best you could. Home is now your stable place and your relationships are becoming increasingly steady and harmonious. Your finances are improving. So, literally, Caroline is being reborn too, Hester, I wrote to myself, to her next life away from us and yet with us still, and I am letting her go even as I hold her close. She will always be a spirit of this place, though. She's coming into her new self, and I am coming into maturity and crone energy, and our land is becoming the homestead it has always been meant to be for our family. Until the wheel will turn once more at some point into the future, and I too will join my girl as a spirit guide for those still in the living years. That is a lot of sometimes painful and sometimes sweet understanding. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side of this commercial, we'll breeze through my first animal oracle deck to see a few of the creatures who look over this land as well.
Welcome back. Sometime into the second week of this working, I made quite a few pulls from my medicine cards, an animal oracle deck. I'm only going to talk about a few of them here, and I used DJ Conway's book, Animal Magic, to help me interpret them back then. I am not surprised that the very first card I drew was blank. I love a blank card in the deck. The medicine cards have several blanks for the reader to create her own animal spirits, which I've done, but I've also left one blank. I leave a blank stone in my rune bags, too. These can signify the unknowable, or just the unknown, for now. I love how I interpreted this card then. These are my plants. Berries, trees, herbs, flowers, grass. This is a verdant place, and the leaves of grass also have some tales to tell. But because of some research I just did last week, I now also believe the blank card could represent the mighty ancient mastodon that once roamed these hills, living along with humans for a thousand years or more before beginning to die out. Whatever it means, I am certain it is about the old ancient history of this hill. I next drew the turkey card. To Native Americans, so says Conway, the turkey is known as the giveaway eagle, and it is a symbol that a gift is coming. This clearly echoes the rune gebo, or gift. My chieftain's hill was a place of gift-giving and celebration, which it continues to be to this day. The hawk came along too, a common visitor in these Ozark skies, and he embodies the present day, which is seeing and understanding both the big picture from on high and the small details too, and is all about paying close attention to the messages from spirit and spirit guides. I believe we seek these guides so we can listen to their wisdom. As I age, I am definitely working on seeing life from a higher perspective, but without missing the lovely tiny details. One single flower is truly just as beautiful as a whole field. And the last spirit animal I'll include here is the card I pulled for today from my spirit animal oracle cards, one of my newest decks as a future card, the badger spirit, who rejoices at persistence and commitment to what is true for ourselves in our own understanding. This reminds me so much of Charlotte and Moss, my daughters who were nearing the end of their college careers and also beginning the path of their life's work. And also me, as Badger Spirit is about taking a risk and being courageous. Harness your will and apply it consistently to the pursuit of your dreams. That's this very podcast for me. Hooray, I'm following Spirit's message and the message is following me. I am certain we walk with Hawk and Turkey and badger spirits here at Make Peace Cottage, and likely a big, powerful mastodon spirit too. Talk about comfort, challenge, and protection. I also worked cloud scrying into this long working and a bit of pendulum divination too, but midsummer is coming soon, so I'll spend some time with both of those techniques in just a few weeks, as well as walk you through making your own black mirror and then having a look through the mirror darkly. But next week, it's color magic and witchy jewelry. I'll add in some scent magic too and talk you through making simple lava stone bracelets. It'll be a good time. Until then, feel free to send me an email with a question or topic request or any sort of feedback to hestermakepeace.com. That's hestermakepeace, all one word, H-E-S-T-E-R-M-A-K-E-P-E-A-C-E.com. Or record an audio message at the Cottage Witch on anchor.fm that I might weave into a future podcast. 
And as always, I'd love it if you could subscribe to or download the podcast, leave me a kind review or a few stars, and most especially, share this podcast with like-minded friends. See you next Tuesday, June 8th, for Episode 8 and Witchy Jewelry. Thanks for visiting me, Hester Makepeace, the Cottage Witch. Merry meet and merry part, and merry meet again.